Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. So as I share, we are in Blockbuster Summer. Say it with me. Blockbuster Summer. And what Blockbuster Summer is, for those of you who may not have been with us before or watching online, Blockbuster Summer is a time where we get to have a little fun with our summer series, where we take the concepts and themes and principles from movies that we choose and we illustrate scriptural principles through those movies. And so Blockbuster Summer is fun. But we also like to take the time to utilize Mentimeter, menti.com, because we enjoy the opportunity to be able to interact. And so I will ask questions during the sermon, and I would love for you to participate. Use your phone. You can go to menti.com and type in 273-64540, or just take a picture of the QR code. And so last, over the last few weeks, we've had the pleasure of hearing from Sean Patterson as she talked about finishing well, and she talked about the movie Indiana Jones, and then our elder Paul Van Dries, he was talking about the boxing movie Million Dollar Baby and how important it is for us to watch our back, never turn our back on the enemy, and making sure that we stay protected by utilizing the scriptures. And so then last week, Dr. Jackson, he, he had the props ready for us, and he talked about how important it is for us to be a part of a team. And he said, anybody remember what he said team stood for? What, what was it? On a mission. And so as I was preparing to preach today, I was thinking about what movie I wanted to go with. And I thought about the movie Lean On Me. That's a throwback. Some of y'all weren't even born yet when Lean On Me came out. Actually, I don't even know if I was born yet. <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, <laughs> then I thought about Remember the Titans, and then I also thought about Coach Carter. Because if you ask my wife, and I had to have a Mount Rushmore of favorite actors, y'all know who I'm always going to pick? Morgan Freeman, Denzel, and Samuel Jackson. Y'all know black folks don't say Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Jackson. And so I want to hear from y'all before I reveal today's movie, which one of those guys would you say is the best actor? Morgan Freeman, Denzel, or Samuel? (laughs) Dang, all six of y'all by yourself. Golly. <laughs> All right, we can stop. It's a landslide. It's a landslide. <laughs> About every person I know was probably going to say Denzel. And so I'm glad that today I decided to go and remember the Titans. Now, Some of y'all, again, I just realized that this movie was released over 20 years ago, so you also might not have been born yet when this came out. I think that's the whole front row, except for Angel. But we're going to take a moment just to watch a quick clip of the trailer, just to jog our memory of Remember the Titans. 
Football is fun. You think football is fun? Yes, no. No? Certainly. Uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? Uh, no, not by now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Zero fun, sir. All right. Coach Boone's school board made the decision to put you on my staff. I did not hire you. Well, I came up here to coach you. I didn't ask to be assigned to your staff, so I guess we're both in a situation we don't want to be in. Hey, if the game will play like that, we'll lose every game. But I can guarantee you this, Coach. I come to win. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Get up, boy! Get up! Get up! Get up! We're still weak on the left side. We're not weak on the left side. It's not the problem. What is the problem? I don't need you up on my face all the I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. I want you to tell me something about one of your teammates. I'm rooming with Blue, sir. He wears those leopard-spotted underwears, bikini style, sir. Okay, maybe somebody who's not your woman. You know, I was trying to stop before the leopard spotted underwear, but, you know, <laughs> we're here now. <laughs> but you see, remember the Titans is a story about a team, it's centered on a football team where the school was being integrated in Virginia in the early 70s, and they had so much potential. The team was full of talent. They were full of promise, and the greatest issue that they had was unity. They had an issue with unity because of the differences in culture, a difference in expectations, differences in the ways that they understood one another. And as I thought about it, I realized that this sounded very much like the church. It was the church in the first century, and it is the church now. And so as we open up the scriptures, I want to go to spend some time with one of Paul's letters to the church at Corinth. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians as the title of today's message is A Team Transformed by Love. A Team Transformed by what? Love. love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to be reading verses 13 through 20. So if you're there, say there. If you need a moment, say hold up. All right, we'll wait. Three, two, one. Starting in verse 13. And so... This is the NLT version, New Living Translation, that says this. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love compels us. It pushes us. It prompts us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we, who died and were raised with them, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, a worldly perspective, because at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You know, I love verse 14. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. 
Christ's love compels us. The love that says I'm willing to sacrifice everything should be the love that projects us and propels us forward. Since we, there's an assumption here, believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. You know, in this particular passage, we find ourselves dropped in the middle of a letter that Paul was writing to this young congregation in the city of Corinth. And Corinth was a bustling city, it was a metropolis very much like Atlanta. It had the philosophers, it had the scammers, it had the hustlers, it had religious folks. And in Corinth, the people were inundated with all of these perspectives, all these different elements of culture. And Paul had to really take time to appeal to these people in ways that they understood while also shifting their perspective. He had to shift their perspective from one that was focused on their own ways of dealing, focused on their own ways of moving, to one that was centered on Jesus. And so when we pull up to chapter 5, Paul is continuing to make sense to these people what it means to change their mindsets about their bodies and what they do with their bodies. (laughs) How they would move, how they would aim for and be motivated by loving one another. Because in Corinth, so many of these new followers of Jesus were from the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love in Greece, the temple of Apollo, the great protector of Greece. And they were all coming together. And so you had these people who were saying they were followers of Jesus and they had to learn, what does this mean? Who is this Jesus I've never heard of? But then you also had some of those people that had their Jewish perspectives and said, you know what, I don't know why they're doing it that way. And then you had those people who were just straight off the streets trying to figure out how to lean in to love. And so the same can be said about this team on Remember the Titans. They were from different backgrounds. They were culturally divided. They were ethnically divided. They were divided in their philosophies and Coach Boone had a task to bring them together. You know, very much like the Corinthian church, this team was forced to integrate people from different ways of living, different sides of the tracks, and they were forced to integrate from people that look different than them. And I believe that God is calling the church to the same task that Coach Boone was calling this team. So in all three scenarios, the church at Corinth, the church here in Atlanta, And the team, the Titans, they were needing to be transformed by love in order to learn. And that's my first point this morning. Transformed by love in order to learn. So my first mentee question for y'all this morning is, what characteristic do you, you personally, need to work on when it comes to learning from someone who is different from you? What characteristic do you personally need to grow in? and work on when it comes to learning from someone who's different from you. Patience, humility, compassion, empathy, trust. Anybody struggle with patience? Anybody ever said, God, give me more patience than this at you in traffic? (laughs) Texting back. Y'all just need to text back. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Openness, gentleness, seeking to understand. 
You know, this list could go on forever because if we're honest with ourselves and with one another, we all struggle with something in this, multiple things in this list. Many times we don't want to learn from somebody who's different from us because we've made up in our mind that nobody's going through what I've gone through. Nobody can navigate what I'm navigating through because only I, in the history of the world, ever, only I'm dealing with this. You see, the culture around us tells us we can't learn anything from somebody who hasn't been through it. But I can learn plenty from someone who may be experiencing homelessness right now. I can learn plenty from someone who has had to deal with an elderly parent. I don't have elderly parents yet. But if we lean into the cultural norms that we can adopt, we can find ourselves saying, you know, I really don't need to learn. I can't listen to someone who hasn't struggled the way I've struggled. I can't learn from someone who hasn't been where I've been. We see, but in this journey to being a team transformed by love, we have to be willing to learn. As a matter of fact, how are we so convinced that we can't relate without having a meaningful conversation? You know, many times we allow ourselves to have one conversation on Sunday with someone sitting in this room, and then we just, we don't interact with them throughout the week. I can think about plenty of the conversations I have during the week that would have never happened on a Sunday morning. You know, in the movie, we see that there was just this resistance to learning. The white players wanted to stay with the other white players. The black players wanted to stay with the black players. But there was a coach that recognizes one thing. The longer they resisted learning, the less effective they would be. And I believe that's the same sentiment that the coach of the Corinthian church, Paul, was trying to convey when he said, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly perspective. You see, if we're going to allow the Christ the love of Christ to compel us, we have to be reminded that Jesus himself was willing to learn. Jesus could have said, I'm so different from those people. I'm, I'm not willing to descend to earth and figure out what it looks like to live their lives. I'm not willing to look like them, hurt like them, be tempted like them, or even be with them. You know, I'm not going to humble myself to learn what they go through or see from their vantage point or navigate from their deficits. I'm just going to stay where I am next to God. But instead, a loving Christ said, you know what, I'm willing to be a model. I'm willing to be a model for what it looks like to seek to learn for those who are different from me. But what does that mean for us here and now? What does that mean for those of you who are listening or watching on YouTube? I believe it means that we all have to get to a place first where we are willing to investigate ourselves and say, am I even on the team? Where do I stand with Jesus himself. You know, the, the scripture we just read talks about Jesus dying for us, but who is us? The team. You see, if you never even put on a football jersey, you can't call yourself a Titan. If you never decided to repent, believe, be baptized, you can't say, you know, and I'm on Jesus' team. But it takes some honest investigation. Have you decided to go and live for Christ? You know, verse 15 says he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? Themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so then we have to begin to ask, how have I been willing to learn? Very practically, that means if you've been a disciple of Jesus for a long time, you can quote the scriptures. 
You can say all the right things. You, you can say what you would and wouldn't do. But when was the last time you put yourself in position to learn from someone who just became a follower of Jesus? When was the last time you descended from your high state of, I've been following Jesus. I know what Luke 9, 23 says. I can quote Luke 14, 25 through 33. When was the last time you went to somebody that just got baptized and said, man, what can I learn from you? You know, I'm going to say it and y'all can talk to me about it afterwards. If you've been a disciple for a long time, just a, or even a little while, and you see a young Christian doing something that you wouldn't do, are you going to condemn them or are you going to help them? Are you going to seek out the opportunity to learn from them? Because the poss- it's very possible that they just have a very different vantage point that you have. It's very possible that they may be dealing with something that's higher on their priority list than what you think they should be thinking about. But if you're not willing to learn and and be transformed by love so that you can learn more, you may miss the opportunity for you to have some reciprocity in the learning process. Or, you know, some of us could have a little amnesia about what we were like when we came out of the water. There's a handful of people in this room that know I was a hot mess when I came out the water. But I kept coming. I kept showing up. I kept learning, and I'm still learning, and I'm still a hot mess. I'm just a more put-together hot mess. But if we don't take the time to inventory and look in the mirror and then sit down with somebody else, when will we recognize that we have to integrate our lives in order to be the church that God calls us to be? See, if we're going to be compelled by love, we better be, better, we better be prepared to proceed in a love that's willing to enter the situation like Jesus did. Jesus went to those who were on the margins. You know, and, and I was thinking about this. And I said, if we're going to be a team transformed by love, we must extend ourselves to someone we've been evaluating from a distance. That goes both ways. You know, I have conversations with Brothers and sisters who just started following Jesus, and they're like, how do I get to? Go ask. He's not going to beat you up for asking a question. But then it also means that we got to get out of our bubbles and silos and finding ways to say, you know what? I'm going to extend myself to this young person. I'm going to invite this group of people to my house. I'm going to be hospitable. I'm going to seek out ways to love them while I'm working through my own mess. See, many times we can find ourselves saying, you know what, I'm going to work on my mess first, and then I'll work on being hospitable. I'm going to work on my marriage first, and then I'll worry about helping this young Christian. I'm going to work on being a new homeowner, and then I'm going to... How about both? What if we recognize that, man, if you need some help at the house, there's some single folks that wouldn't mind helping if you just gave them some wisdom. But coming out of a pandemic, we got to get back to a place where we're willing to walk with any and everybody in order to show them the love of Jesus. You know, that means we change how we view someone who may be struggling with the sin of their past. We change the way we view someone who may not know the things you know. It means instead of evaluating someone's discipleship on your metrics, 
How about we sit down, open the scriptures, and say, let me extend a hand to this brother or sister to learn who they are. See, if you're young in the faith and you're trying to get your legs under you, or if you're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, it doesn't happen by following somebody else that's blind. The blind leading the blind does nothing. It means we got to take time. If you're trying to figure out what it means to go deeper with Jesus, say, I don't know where to start. You know, here at this church, we fully believe in sitting down and opening up the scriptures and saying, how can we help? How can we go deeper? See, Paul had to write these letters to the Corinthian church because they didn't know what it meant to be moved, motivated, and molded by Christ's love. But you see, it's called a correspondence because it was someone writing to Paul as well. Paul wasn't just writing these letters in a vacuum hoping that somebody took it in. Somebody was writing to Paul and said, Paul, whew, we're struggling. We're trying to figure this out. What does it mean? What do you mean Christ died for us? Apollos never died. Aphrodite never died. Why did Christ die? They were trying to figure out the philosophy of what it means to give their bodies to Christ and not to the temple prostitutes. They were trying to figure out what it means to do something different from what they had learned. And all of us have to be willing to say, how can I do something different from what I've learned? That means if we've been following Jesus a week, a month, a year, a decade, 50 years, we should find ourselves in a place where we say, you know what? Jesus, teach me something new. You know, no matter where you are in your walk with God, there's space and opportunity to be transformed by love because when we're committed to learning with and from one another, we're able to be transformed by love in order to change. And that's my second point today, in order to change. Let's show this clip. Yes, I do. And I respect it, but I know that Ray missed that block on purpose. Sometimes you just got to cut a man loose. Well, you're the captain. You make a decision. But you support your decision. Ray? You're out. What? I'm not going to let you play for this team anymore. context in the movie, Coach Boone had had a policy. If he made it through camp, he wasn't cutting anybody. He had made a decision that he wasn't going to let anybody go off the team. But the character you saw, Gary Bertier, he was the team captain. He was one of the leaders on the team. He was one of the people who saw that they, they were beginning to love each other. They were beginning to move as a unit, and previously... The other guy, he had let, he missed his block. But he didn't just miss the block, he decided to clock out. He decided he didn't want to be a part of the team in the same way. He decided that he wasn't going to protect somebody that was different from him, his black quarterback. And so Bertier saw that, and he knew his friend. He knew the guy he had been playing with since he was a kid, and he knew that he needed to make some changes. You see... Bertier got into a point where he loved his teammates so much 
that he had to let go of some of the things that were a part of his past understanding. I'm going to say it one more time. He knew he had to let go of some of the things that were part of his past understanding. If you're going to strive to follow Jesus, there are things that you're going to have to let go. There are perspectives you're going to have to let go. There are ways that you're going to have to change your decision-making process. You're going to have to look different. You know, Bertier, I'm sure it hurt. This is his childhood friend, his teammate. They grew up seeing every, each other's growth process. But when it came time to embrace a new family, to transition out of the old way of seeing, doing, and being, his friend didn't turn the corner. You know, sometimes when we embrace being transformed and being fully on the team, we got to make those hard decisions. If we're going to say we're following Jesus and we're going to say we want to be on Jesus' team, it just means that I got to let that go. Whatever that is, fill in the blank, because we all have a that. You know, I, when I first became a disciple, it was frat life. Everything that came with that. But now 12 years later, it's still something every day is... It's lust, it's unforgiveness, it's anger, it's impatience, it's insert whatever it is. And we got to be willing to let it go. Verse 17 in 2 Corinthians 5 says, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. The old life is what? A new life has done what? The old life is what? And a new life is what? As we get ready to close, I want to ask you this. If you're honest, what scares you the most about letting go of an old version of you? What scares you the most about letting go of an old version of you? Let's be clear. Old version could be yesterday's version. Old version could be this morning's version. Old version could be the version of you from 10 years ago that you still want to hold on to. What scares you the most? Old friends, reverting back, judgment, what lies ahead? Comfort, getting lost, losing those people that came. Those are all real. Those are all very real and transparent and honest realities. You know, we all lose people. Every time we evolve, every time we change, every time we learn a new way of being, doing, and thinking, we lose people. But one of the things when I get the opportunity to sit down with young men and open the scriptures, one of the things I always say is do not let the fear of loss overshadow the potential of gain. Do not let the fear of loss overshadow the potential of gain. Our lives are full of decisions, full of opportunities, full of situations where we find ourselves saying, if I do this, then what? You may fall flat on your face, but it's okay because you learn something. 
But the thing about choosing to follow Jesus and growing with Jesus and being on Jesus' team is that falling flat on your face does not mean you stay on your face. It means that you have a team that you're buying into that can help you to say, you know, we're going to lock arms and we're going to warm up together. We're going to play together. We're going to pray together. We're going to stay together. And we're going to continue to help others see God together. You know, it says the old is gone, the new has come, but where did the old go? You know, sometimes the old just went into storage. You know, I've, I've helped enough people over the years to watch what it looks like when people just put the old in storage. You know, it, it's there under lock and key for when I want to go back to it. It don't work well that way. <laughs> it doesn't work. Because then you want to come back and then put it back in storage. And it's just this, this back and forth situation where you're never really committed to the team. But you show up and you got your jersey hanging just in case you want to get on the sideline. Because you ain't getting in the game. You know, sometimes it's the old perspectives, habits, contacts. You, they just went on a hiatus for a little while. You just decided to upload Snapchat again. Now, for those over 30, this ain't for you. You don't need Snapchat. You don't. Let it go. <laughs> you don't need that access to that old person anymore, that comfort zone that we're scared to get rid of. You don't, you don't need it, and yet you got to make a decision. You see, when we recognize that Jesus loves us deeply, we're compelled. What it means to be compelled is you're pushed to the point of, I'm going to go. I'm pushed by Jesus' love. I, I can't help but move because Jesus' love is pushing me in the direction of holiness. We're compelled, but then we have to keep that love in the forefront of our minds when we strive to change the way we walk. The way we talk, the way we think, the way we move, who we interact with, and the changes hurt. Those changes are sacrificial, but when we make those changes, they are so that we can be ambassadors for God's kingdom wherever we go. You know, that's what the end of the passage was about. It was, it was allowing ourselves to recognize that once we recognize we're on the team and we're compelled by love, it pushes us into a place where we say, I got to tell everybody I meet about this Jesus. It's, man, how did you get the friends you got? Jesus. How did you get the life you got? Jesus. How did you make those grades you made? Jesus. And if you don't get to a place where you're compelled by Jesus' love to be an ambassador for Jesus, you then have to ask yourself, what am I scared of if I were to proclaim God's goodness? Am I scared of judgment from people that's in the same position or worse? Am I scared of how I'll be perceived? Will I be perceived as that Bible thumper if I just say, Jesus loves you? What am I afraid of? Well, you see, we can, be, we can appeal from the sovereignty of God and be messengers that say, there's a God that loves you deeply. 
There's a God that's concerned about your heart. There's a God that wants to change your identity and a God that wants to supply your needs according to God's riches. So when I think about all these things that should call us to repentance, to change, to turning away from our sinful ways, all the things that should prompt us, I can't think of anything better than a love that has no limits. You know, Einstein said this. Yes, Albert Einstein. He says, there is an extremely powerful force that so far science has not found a formal explanation to. It is a force that includes and governs all others that is even behind any phenomenon operating in the universe and has not yet been identified by us. The universal force is love. When scientists looked for a unified theory of the universe, they forgot the most powerful unseen force. I feel like Einstein was preaching here. Love is light that enlightens those who give and receive it. Love is gravity because it makes some people feel attracted to others. Love is power because it multiplies the best we have and allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Love unfolds and reveals. You know, I, get, I, I shared that whole quote, but this is the piece that I want us to hold on to. Love is powerful. It's power because it multiplies the best we have and allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Y'all ever see a video online and it's just someone who is being extremely kind to someone else and you start getting a little, little teary-eyed? You're touched. Y'all know what that is? because there's something inside of us that always resonates with love. There's something inside of us that always leans toward love, and the world around us tries to snuff it out. The world around us says there is no true altruism, there is no true kindness, there is no true love, and yet God, being the God of all love, comfort, and joy, says, no, I'm still around. I'm still showing up in your life. I'm still here so that you can be reminded that if you get a glimpse of what it looks like to love, your selfishness will be snuffed out. You know, in this post-pandemic world, I see something that I believe we all have to work hard against, blind selfishness. But if we live a life compelled by Christ, motivated by love, we We can find ourselves emulating the Jesus who went to the margins to touch the untouchables. The Jesus that went to the margins to bring in the undesirables. And the Jesus who went to the cross so we might have an opportunity to be made new as we join a team transformed by love. You know, if you're watching online, I want you to know that following Jesus isn't a solo sport. It requires teammates and coaches And if you don't know where to start, I recommend you reach out. Reach out to us online. We have a phenomenal team. And we love to sit down and just journey through the scriptures together. You know, if you're sitting in here and you don't know where to start, I recommend you tap the person next to you and say, how can we open the Bible to see what God is trying to show us? And if you've been walking with Jesus for a while and it seems like things have gotten stagnant, they got a little dormant. Ask yourself, when was the last time I was compelled by love to learn about someone around me? 
Yeah, at this time, I'm going to pray, and we'll be taking communion. And communion is a time every week where we take the bread that represents Jesus' body and the blood, the juice that represents Jesus' blood, and each week we collectively remember the Jesus who loved us so much that he was willing to die on the cross, to die a gruesome death at the hands of the Roman soldiers, because God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let us pray. God, you are the God that loves us so much that you point us towards your goodness in your son Jesus. Yet and still we find ourselves selfishly chasing after the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, the relationships that can't fulfill us. We find ourselves seeking out the things that we feel would bandage the wounds of our hearts. So as we take this time to drink this juice and eat this cracker, help us be reminded that Your love had no boundaries. Your love went to the deepest depths so that we could see it modeled in order for us to be able to change. We love you, and we pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.